Hello, and thank you very much for watching this edition of Betting People. I'm very pleased to be joined by racing TV analyst and pro handicapper, Rachel Candelora. Rachel, thank you very much for giving us your time this week. It's looking forward to it. Wonderful. Um, I'm going to jump straight into handicapping and ask, how do you um, go about handicapping a race? Because we've had many people in betting people before who use different angles. Some use time, some use their own figures, some will make their 100% book. How do you go about it? Basically, I like to print off the form in an American format, bit gray, like Greyhound, so they're strip line forms. So you mm. can sort of get a, an overall quick shot of the horse's recent form. And then I just like to, I have a bunch of highlighters that mean different things, course form, whether they're a seven furlong specialist, trainers or jockeys have previously won a race. And I just basically go to town on the form and then just the horses that just jump out at me, whether it's a pace angle or it's a course specialist. And the one main thing I like to do is I don't like to look at any of the betting ahead of time. I like to just do it myself, sort of formulate. I don't do anything massively professional, like create a book. But I like to sort of go, I think that should be favorite. That should be a, a long shot. That will probably be an each way shot. But uh, I like to do it without anybody else's input, i.e. the market's input. Because no matter how much we try and keep prices and the market movers out of our heads when we handicap for ourselves, it's really hard to not just have them seep in and make your mind up for you. I.e. if you really like a horse and you look and it's, to 25 to one and then it's drifting out to 33 you sort of just begin to doubt yourself a little bit that oh maybe I've seen something that isn't there because obviously nobody else has seen it so I like to keep the prices out of it until the time that you actually need to either tip the horse go have the bet yourself or the race is about to happen and then you look and and that's quite fun because a lot of the times the horse that you think is favorite normally your top pick um isn't in the actual market and I just remember there was one time we went to Paris for a jumps meeting at Otoy just midweek and I was working the next day so on the train ride home I was handicapping a Kempton card in the very first race there was a Hugo Palmer Al Shakab horse I think it might have been Al Mufti in the beginning of his career and he he to me just absolutely jumped out I thought he was going to be a very short price favorite obviously sexy yard sexy connections he fit the conditions of the race and when I got into the studio, it was the first race and he was a 10 to one chance. And it was just like, what have I missed that everybody else hasn't? And yes, I might've had a glass of champagne on the train ride home when I was handicapping. So there is that, but, um, and he won. And it was just one of those things where it's just like, I probably had him down as a two to one, five to two shot and he was 10 to one. So if you keep the market out of it and you just stay true to yourself when you're handicapping, sometimes you can find those rare gems. That's really interesting. And um, you moved from America to um, Britain uh, a while ago. Would you say that um, you adapt what you do slightly for races back home or races over here and, and actually for other jurisdictions as well, because you're mentioning France and Ireland, etc.? Yeah, you, you have to, in a sense, because growing up in the States, there weren't any handicaps. They were all claimers where claimers and allowance races and, and, and different levels like that where the trainer and the owner could actually handicap their horse by picking which level of difficulty race that they run in. So if you want to run in a, an allowance race or something higher than that, your, your, lower, your lower quality horse might not win, but you don't 
risk losing them or you run it in a claimer where your horse definitely could win but you risk somebody claiming the horse i liked that because you could you knew the trainers which were good at handicapping for themselves and the horses had form and they would just move up and down the grades because the trainer wanted them to definitely had to adapt that here and and in france and ireland because of the handicapping system and handicaps and the independent assessor and sometimes using the well this horse is in form angle only works so far as well this horse has been winning some not to 60s and now they're they're rocking it up to a not to 85 and no matter how good a form it is and this horse will probably have to find 15 20 pounds to compete and sometimes i have to get out of my own head that no rach we it's big big step up in grade let's probably try and look at somewhere somewhere else that's been the main adaptation that i've had to do is the actual handicapping system itself and moving horses up and down and whether they win lose carrying penalties everything like that and uh following on sticking that same route of handicapping are there any sort of tried and tested rules you have for yourself when you're looking at um races well positive ones uh for a definite back a horse i love horses for courses particularly there's certain courses epsom and brighton spring to mind i know th- those are probably ones that everybody will say but those unique british undulating interesting tracks that probably nowadays you would never build a racetrack where they actually are horses that love those they always step up they always run so much better there same thing with the all-weather tracks you like your likes of chelmsford's and southwells horses run well there because it's a lot of, there's a lot of kickback a lot of horses don't face that level of kickback some horses love running through it or they're front runners and it it suits their run style you know i'm always a i'm always a complete sucker for horses that have really good form running around the likes of Kempton the uh, there's a horse there's a mare Cloelli that she's she's won I think seven times at Kempton and whenever she goes it's like she gets a little extra highlight next to her name because she's a she's a definite horse for course other things I'm a I'm a big negative on even looking at let alone backing any horses that are coming off about a six-month layoff and again that's very much from my time in America where most trainers train their horses actually on the racetrack. There aren't major training facilities like Newmarket or, or Lambourne. More, most horses are trained on the race course. And there's only so many miles you can actually just put into a horse every morning to try and get it fit. Unlike here, when there's hills, you can, you can do interval work up hills and swim. And there's so much. It's more in the psyche here in Britain to get horses fit off of long layoffs and they have the facilities to do so, but it's still back there. You know, there was 20 years in America of, I don't want to back a horse coming off a long layoff because they will definitely come on for the run. And that still stuck to me today, particularly as, you know, we have got horses, more jumps horses coming off in year, two year, three year layoffs. And I know they can get fit and I've seen horses do it. And we all just sit, we sit there and clap and go, that's an absolute brilliant training performance. But they are not going to be carrying my money with them when they do it. Long losing streaks. I know there's always the the cliche cliche angle that the horse is becoming well handicapped, mm-hmm. but there's a reason the horse is becoming well handicapped. And, yeah. and I know for most horses, once they get back down to the level that they can compete in, i.e., they've been dropped enough by the handicapper that they can start to run in the the lower the lower banded races. 
they'll probably begin to come back to some semblance of form. But whenever there's a horse that all of a sudden, after 20 runs losing and really losing, just magically bounces straight back into winning form, even though if it's, if it's dropped down to a, a lower level handicap, I just, I can't see that. Unless the trainer has been keeping it in, let's say, not to 80 company, and then all of a sudden it runs in a not to 55. But at the same time, if that's the case, I want to be asking the trainer, why have you been running it? Um, in a grade it has no business being in when you can run it in much lower grades than that. Um, on that note, do you think that horses in the UK are handicapped too harshly? Um, this has been a big topic of debate, especially over jumps. Should they be cut some slack? Let's just say I like the way that France and Ireland do it, insofar as if you win, you, gen you genuinely get penalised. But when you lose, they'll take they'll take pounds or kilos off you a lot quicker than the handicapper does in this country um i have no problem when you when you get penalized for a win it's 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 what you do i i think it's terrible how how sometimes you know you you run up to two or three race win sequences and all of a sudden you're up a stone and a half because mm. you're you know that's basically well might as well just sell the beast now because it's not going to win for for two years but I think if horses start to run bad and not even run bad, start to show that they've been handicapped basically out of their grade, they shouldn't just be stuck there. They should be, you know, kind of dropped, even if it's just a pound a race. You know, if you finish, if you finish more than like three lengths off the leader or something, just get, get dropped a pound a race. And yeah, it will take a couple of races, but you know, it just seems like in Britain, the whole job of the handicappers to keep a horse from winning again once they won that one time and uh, sometimes that doesn't sit right with me also the thing that i i cannot stand it is my absolute bugbear is retrospective handicapping mm. why are we penalizing horse for standing in its stall not doing anything i mean if you're smart you can read the form okay this horse's form has been franked wonderful it's going to be short bookmakers going to put in short they've read the form we all know it why can't you just let the horse have a let the horse have a go. I mean, it, it's not going to hurt anybody if this horse is supposedly well in. Um, that's really interesting um, takes. And I sh I'm sure that lots of people actually would agree with them. Certainly I do. Um, as a tipster, uh, this is an interesting question because I asked for some uh, last night and I got two, which are sort of in the same area. Um, first of First of all, you know, how hard are losing runs um, to take? Because we all have them, um, even the very best of us. Uh, I'm not one to talk on that subject, by the way, just, just for um, prior information. But um, how, how do you deal with a losing run um, as a tipster? Well, it's one of those great things is you can always, there's always another race. Like, I always picture in my head, because we always used to, we used to do it in the States, you get the, you get the, the program book and it's a proper program book it's none of the it's none of the race cards that you get here which are literally not worth the paper they're printed on it proper form in it and it's always the joke okay well that was a bad one turn the page because yeah. there's always another race whether it's at the track you're at somewhere else in the country somewhere else in the world or there's tomorrow so I know I'm saying this like I'm bigging it up like 
I can motivate myself because my goodness, you can get into some proper slumps and, and you start, the worst thing is when you start to second guess hard and fast truths that you always use when you're handicapping. Like you look at a race and there's only one horse that has ever gone forward in its life. The only speed in the race, everybody else is a hold up horse. And you've got a jockey, let's just say like Danny Musket or a Sheen Murphy who they, they, they have the clock in their head. They can get on a front runner and they can just yo-yo the field and you just know that they'll do it. And then you try and talk yourself out of it because well, that angle hasn't been working. And so, I mean, the main thing is you just, you just gotta pick yourself up and just go, there's another race, you'll, you'll get it. And I mean, the one thing is unless you're being told that you actually have to handicap a specific race, sometimes I like to go and find the races like a like a maiden or conditions race that may have might have smaller fields but you take the handicap the handicapper aspect out of it and you just sort of look at bare form and even if it's a short price just tip a winner and it just it just or back a winner or whatever in the context you're doing it just sometimes buoys you up and and that's another thing is sometimes just finding value just just sometimes hitting a ticket whether it's a ticket to win or a lot of times, which I'm sure we'll talk about, backing something to place that you'd be shocked if it didn't finish in the top three or top two. And at least you, you can, you've cashed a ticket. It might not be a sexy ticket. It might not be mm. much, but you've cashed it. And then that just resets it. But the main thing I just say is you keep your head down and you just, you flip that, that race program over because there's, there's always another race. Um, do you have, because we've discussed um, angles that you like and that you don't like, do you have particular races that you'd feel more comfortable with? Would you say be a stakes person? Um, would you pref And going forward from that also, do you prefer um, handicapping or betting over turf or dirt? We'll, we'll go backwards with that. Dirt or all weather, depending on which country we're, we're discussing. Um, very much prefer those because those are normally run more as a true true gallop jump from the gate and it's may the best gutsiest horse win at the end as opposed to sometimes on turf uh we, we always used to joke that it was it was the way that french races were run you know it's a mile and a half so they they um walk for 10 furlongs and yeah. then they turn it into a two furlong sprint and you know then you've got an out and out stayer that is never going to lay up and Whereas the the synthetic and dirt races tend to be run a little bit more to form genuinely, as it were. But uh, I'm I always prefer anything that's not a handicap, which is ironic to say because most races in this country are handicaps. But um, conditions races, stakes races. I mean, I, I quite like novices and novices with penalties and races with interesting conditions but I'm also beginning I'm slowly beginning to um like the handicaps and particularly like I would say the the not to 70s to not to 85s that range because those I would say are consistent horses you get some horses that are that are going to be that are going to progress through which is always fun to watch and you get you get a few of horses that were much highly rated sort of dropping back down but those horses tend to be much more set in that in that bubble as opposed to dealing with the 
very much high-end handicaps, uh, looking for the group, the future group horse in the handicap or the lower level ones and classifieds, which are a bit like, you know, you, you sometimes just want to go, my, my tip, uh, look at another race because literally nothing can win this and something has to, you understand, but it's like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't genuinely tell, tell you what's going to win. So probably of the handicaps, that middle range where they're consistent, they may not be winning machines, mm. but they're at least consistent. This is a little bit of a wild card question to end the first part, but um, the Kentucky Derby, I couldn't not ask you a question about the Kentucky Derby. Um, do you think we'll ever see and I was asked to ask this question, but I think it's an interesting one, actually. Do you think we'll ever see a late running horse take the Kentucky Derby again, or in the near future, I should say? That's an interesting one. I was actually having that conversation with Mark, might've been last night. Um, since they've changed the way you get into the, the Kentucky Derby into a NASCAR style point system, mm. you obviously, have to run a lot more, particularly as a three-year-old, in order to even to get into the race. And therefore, the and the way that they've that you're only allowed to run in certain race, only certain races count. It's taken a lot of the the sprinters out of the Derby. There's not a lot of cheap speed in the race anymore, which is what set it up for horses like Mind That Bird. Yeah. Gosh, what is it? Eleven years ago now, twelve years yeah. ago. Um, so a lot of the horses are very much more consistent in their run style and they're much more steady and up with the pace. And I think, I mean, of course, I think one time we will see a, a horse coming from behind because eventually all of these horses, particularly this year, there's quite a lot of horses that have a lot of speed. They can carry their speed, but you never know what a three-year-old's going to do when they run in the Derby. And because it's the Derby's not just a test of the fitness and the stamina and the talent of the horse it's a test of the mind because everything that they have to go through from basically starting now they're on show all the time their workouts in the morning unfortunately now with covid not not as much as it normally would be but one of the the best things to do if you couldn't ever go to a derby it'd go to the mornings before the derby because they mm. do a, a bit like epson does breakfast with the stars but churchill does it right and more horses by, de by the conditions of the race, the horses have to be on site and they get a 15 minute window that the Derby and Oaks horses can come out where no other horses are allowed on the track. So of course, trainers are definitely gonna, oh, I can go out when there's only 30 horses on the track as opposed to 300. Mm. Yes, we're gonna, we're gonna send the horses out during this period. And they all have the saddle towels with their, with their names on it. So you know who they are and they just go and breeze around and fans can just go and watch these horses see them up close ahead of the big day so they're always on show and then the actual day of the derby one of the biggest parts of the races and where a lot of the race a lot of the derbies have been lost is the walk across where they get all of the horses from the barns on the back side of the track get them all together and then they walk all of the derby horses over in one group with all of the connections it's one of the big things the owners can do they can actually walk from the backside to the paddock and you see the stands there's 250,000 people there both infield and and in the grandstand and a lot of horses lose their race just in the walkover let mm. alone then they're in the paddock and then they go out do the post parade and then they race but it's just amazing that they mentally have to go through all of that but 
I think I think one day we will see this this year might be one because I um I know there's a couple of trainers that are talking about they they want some of their horses potentially to be held um run in a different run style i.e. held up because there is yeah. a lot there are a lot of horses that have been winning their races on the front and they might just light each other up this year. That's a fascinating way to end part one of this Betting People with Rachel Candelora. Thank you very much, Rachel. New Betting People interviews are published every week at Star Sports. Exclusive interviews with the key people from the world of sports betting. Check out our full library of interviews at starsportsbet.co.uk. BeGambleAware.org. Over 18 only.